now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord I am pleasing him in all respects I am bearing fruit in every good work and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God now again I incline my heart here to his word the word is entering my heart it is giving me light and direction it is healing me in every area and it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ amen now let's continue from where we stopped that is that was the other time all right last time we talked about pray, we prayed for the country I want us to just continue from the matter of how to pray in a time of affliction and I want to first of all read the story of um, Hezekiah let's just go to the book of um, Isaiah chapter chapter 38 uh, before now we have been looking at what they did in the time of distress and we are still continuing to look at that the Bible says that these things were recorded for our learning it's our school of prayer we, we must know how to pray when we are in distress very important Today I want to teach something that we have explained again. I think in recent times I've talked about it at least two or three times. But then I want to talk about it again because it's very important. And I'm going to talk about the matter of pride. Please, I want you to pardon me when I seem to be going over some points like a broken record. You know, like say a broken record. Children, do they don't know things like that? No, they don't. <laughs> what they know is crack the CD. <laughs> and crack CD doesn't go over the same spot. Those who are old enough, they know what a broken record is. Those they went, it took quite a while, a few seconds to go around to that broken spot. Then it shifts and plays the same thing again. So you can be saying something like, uh, instead of say, say, saying um, the Lord is good all the time, say the Lord is good, 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 until you do go and mechanically lift it up and jump that area. Many people don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> At least now, I, I have people who are much older than I'm very happy. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> I hope I don't sound like a broken record. When I go over some things again and again and again and again, I take consolation in the fact that the man, Ken Higgins, said, where there is no reputation, the people are not established. And the fact is that, you know, after teaching and teaching, when you hear people talk sometimes, you are amazed that I thought this young man or this young woman was paying attention to what I've been saying all this um, while. So that's why you keep on saying these things again and again until they enter into the hearts of people. And then another reason is that up and down, people move about every day and they hear things that are opposing. So it's important that they are established in the truth. So we go over these things again and again. And if you're a preacher, let me just advise you. Don't think you owe anybody any obligation to preach something new. Are you getting my point? No, 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 no. That's how to start erroneous teaching. When you start looking for something new to say, I take, again, consolation from men who have gone ahead of me. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. You don't know everything. You don't know everything. So the one that God has given you understanding concerning, stick with it. Stick with it. The Bible makes it clear that you must do everything by faith. If you can read that Romans chapter 12, it said that let each exercise his gifts accordingly. Let him speak in proportion to his faith. Do you follow my point? If you go somewhere, if a man is operating one way, don't try to operate that way. You are going to fall on your face. That's what they call the proportion of your faith. 
Very important. Don't go and pick up a topic you don't know and just start dabbling around according to Ken Hagen. Just wade around in the book of Revelations and then drown everybody. You understand? Because you are wading around things you don't understand. Uh-huh. Now, that's just a side um, talk for preachers. But what I'm just trying to say is that I'm going, today I'm going to repeat. I'm going to say things I probably have said many times before. But please bear with me and you will still be blessed by it. Recently, I talked about pride, and that's what I want to talk about again today when it comes to prayer. It is important pride is not found in your heart. And I will give you a number of definitions for pride as I go on. One, pride is when you think you are not getting what you deserve. Yes. Why is it like I am bet that is you look and decide that after how I have saved God, after I have done for Him, this should not happen to me? That is pride. I hope you are getting my point. Pride is when you think that, listen, you look and say, after all, I have served God more than other people. Therefore, I should come out better than them. And you have assessed yourself and things are not working the way you think they should. That is pride. A lot of us preachers were guilty of helping people walk in pride. That is, you look at somebody and say, ah, the way you have served God, God must bless you. You know that kind of thing. The way you have served him, he must. What you have done is that you have told the person, your works will guarantee you something before God. And that is so wrong. It is so wrong. It is so wrong. You give people false confidence. You make people hope in that which there is no truth in. Listen, 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 listen. No matter how much you have served God, that does not guarantee that he will bless. It does not. It does not. Like I said the other time, don't forget, you are always running a deficit. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You are, when I say running a deficit now, God every time has done much more for you than you can ever do for him. Each day, there is more that he has done for you than you can ever do for him. That is why I oppose. Now, that's why I said, don't mind me if I'm sound like broken down record. That's why I oppose all this doctrine of uh, if you give, 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 God will bless you back. <laughs> Rubbish. You have given and given and given. You've gotten nothing. I, I, no, please, get me. I will say it the way it is. Let's, let's, let's say this thing. Let's learn the truth. Like I always add, like to add, did I say you should not give? God forbid that I should sin against him by lying to people. All right? If you are not a giver, you are a sinner. I will say it straight. Don't think I'm on your side. Yes. Because some people want to come and hide behind. Pastor Frank says it's not necessary. Only Jagudas don't give. What do they call Jagudas? Jaguda is a thief, a thug. No matter how poor you think you are, you can give. And giving must always be what? A habit. Anybody that thinks I've got what I've said, they will not stop giving. They are not Christians. Yeah, go and give your life to Christ. Confess. Okay, don't worry. See me after. Let me pray you out of sin into righteousness. So please, let's get that one clear. I'm just going to say something here. That pride is what I'm describing. It is not because... We, we, we preachers must be careful that we don't cause people to have confidence in what they have done. That's what I'm going to emphasize. Now, why did I say that? Because when people are walking in pride, what happens to them is that, that one of the examples... One of the manifestations of somebody walking in pride is somebody who feels that, listen, I have done this. God by now should have done this. And if he hasn't done it, they are kind of disappointed. Many of us don't realize it, but that is pure pride. 
And that is a manifestation of pride is when you start pointing and, say, and start saying, the reason why things are not working well for me is because they are not doing what they are supposed to do. For example, Buhari, that's the head of state, is not doing what he's supposed to do. If I, that is not fine, Uguay. His first name is Uguay. Okay. His first name is Guruguru. All right. <laughs> Guruguru Uguay. <laughs> oh no, Guruguru is a title. <laughs> yeah, so it's not, it's you know, like you have professor, so you have Guruguru Ifayin Uguay. <laughs> Our state governor. It's because he has not done what he's supposed to do, that is why I don't have a job. Why are things not working for you in your business? It's Jonathan. Pride is when you ascribe the problems of your life to somebody else. That is what pride is. Pride is when an adult is not quick to accept responsibility. Many people, couples say as an example, once you are always pointing that it's because of my wife, that's why this house is not happy. That's pride. If my wife was a more humble person, we would be walking in peace and joy. Life of Kimote. That is pride. You go to Kimote's house and say, wow, look at the kind of wife he married. My wife is such a deep. See, oh, and I go home looking at the girl. Hi. Go and visit Kimote. Go and visit Kimote. Go and learn from his wife. And that is the reason why we have trouble in the house. That is what? Pride. He said, Pastor, what if, what if it is the truth? How will you know? You are proud. <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting the point. After all, Jesus said, remove the log from your eyes before you can identify the speck in your wife's eyes. So it is impossible to know. That's what the Lord Jesus was saying. You can never see clearly when there is a roko tree inside your eyes. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying. So I'm not even discussing whether you marry Jezebel or not. Because honestly, if Ahab married Jezebel, Ahab is in trouble. You know that? But did you notice God never for one day blamed Jezebel for the problems of Ahab? Ahab had her own judgment. But God concerned himself with what Ahab did. Now, Jezebel was a very terrible human being. But let me tell you the truth. Ahab must have sinned for God to give him Jezebel. I want to prove it to you. Quickly, open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7. And let me show you the word of God that's in your Bible, in case you haven't seen it before. I like my new American Standard Bible here. It tells the truth about it properly. Verse 26, and I discovered more bitter than death, the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are chains, one who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be captured by her. Did you see that? One who is pleasing to God will escape, but the sinner will be what? captured, ensnared. Now, I want you to understand that. So Ahab cannot actually 
point to Jezebel as the cause of his problems. You are following my point? There are, I'm not teaching about marriage now, so let me not get stuck there. Because you will know that a man actually has a lot of power in his home. And, you know, if you go and read my uh, book, should I say yes? Somewhere there, uh, there's a chapter on um, you and your in-laws. I explain that I don't believe that in-laws can, can ever, I don't believe they can ever be troubled. You say, why? Only the couple can allow their in-laws be troubles in their homes. One, if you don't carry your trouble to go and meet them, they won't know about it. How would they know? Are they spirits? And then when they come and want to intrude, you can block them. It's a very simple thing. If my own people want to come and disturb, it's my duty to stop them. And if my wife's people want to come and disturb, if two of us are in agreement, she, can, she knows how she's going to talk to... There's a way you can effectively block people on different ends. Don't ever report your spouse to your people. Report him or her to his friends. I don't know what I get what I'm saying. For example, if, I, if your husband needs to be reported, don't report him to your mother. Don't report him to your father. You are creating strain between them. Call his best friend and say, your, your friend, I don't know, maybe I started smoking, maybe you should talk to him. Do you follow my point? Ah, there was a time my wife was very angry with me. The only person she could report to lives in America. So she carried the phone and called him. And called him and talked and talked and talked and talked. Don't mind her, I'm a very nice guy. She was one that didn't know what she was doing. <laughs> Pride, thank you very much. God bless you. Yeah, you're following the message. I'm happy you're following the Oh, I'm happy you're following the message. I'm happy you're following me. The Lord is good. No, that's it. But it would be wrong for her to pick the phone and call her father and call her mother or call her brother. Why? There's a natural instinct they will side her even when she's wrong. They will. And they have, but then your friends have, they are on both sides. Do you get my point? They are, on, they, are your, they are on both sides. These are the little tricks you use in life. Oh. I had an auntie that time. Every little husband, you can't carry phone in the morning. Call him, eh. He said he's going to kill me. I said, Auntie, drop down for you. know, go grow up. I didn't say it like that to her face. <laughs> Most of it was in my mind. On the surface, you say it nicely. Are you getting my point? No, really, there are things you don't do. Now, I'm saying all of this to let you know that, you know, you can't, my own theory, long before I married and I practiced it, is you can't have in laws trouble unless you want it. I mean, say, did I say allow it? What did I say? Unless you want it. Many of the things your father, your mother are saying to your wife is actually what you believe you don't have the mouth to say. So you've left them to go and tell her for you. Many of the things they are saying to your husband is what you actually would have loved to say, but fear will not let you say it. So you let your father say it. If two of you are really united, forget it. You know, look, you know how to position each other. There are little things we can do. Like those early days before we got to know each other very well. That is my, that's our two families. If I wanted to give gifts to my parents, my wife presented them. It's just a simple, it's just a, you know, you know, even if I started smoking and coming back home at night and I married a third wife, 
I'm their son. They are not going to leave me. Are you getting my point? So I don't really need any extra love or affection from them. After all these years, anyone I don't have, I can never get. But they let my wife look like a good girl. So I buy the thing, and then she presents it. We are in agreement. It's the little, little, little tricks. It's not a marriage seminar. But I think I'm solving problems for some people. Now, please, why I said all of this is that oh God, I just got stuck there. Just let us know that we really don't have a, we can't really blame other people for our troubles. Listen, let me just really summarize it. If you're having in-law troubles, you and your spouse are responsible. That's just the way it is. Even if you don't feel like you are responsible, I am telling you as a servant of God, you are responsible. You are responsible. You can stop your family from having in-law troubles. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. All right? People, a lot of times, they just invite unnecessary trouble. You carry you and your wife. You go and be living in the house with your mother and your father, and you know that they won't get along. Why are you begging for trouble? Those are little things. Then my father has a big house. It's okay if he knows how to accommodate people like you. But if it's causing strain, please move. Find a tiny one. Go somewhere else. A lot of people don't even realize, why am I teaching marriage now? They just keep dragging me back. I'm leaving it. I'm holding my message to this message like this tight. Oh, Father God, help me. I've just said all of that to make a point that you, as believers, we must stand up and accept responsibility. And anybody pointing fingers elsewhere is actually a proud person. That's why I use Ahab as an example. Ahab, indeed, Jezebel was trouble. But the Bible says, Ahab, you sinned. That was why I gave you Jezebel. That's what God was saying. So if you want to complain about the Jezebel in your life, you must first repent about the sin in your life. That's what God is saying. Before he starts saying she's bad, he said, wait, how come? What was I doing? How did I offend God? So for every day she pours hot water in your direction, more repentance on your side. Say, God, what did I do to you? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not saying Jezebel is not Jezebelic. I'm just trying to explain. Please get used to my English. I'm just saying that Ahab was quite a habit for him to have received the Jezebel. And the Ahabism in his life is a major problem. You are getting my point? Good. We are talking about to pray in the time of what? Affliction. So, first, I'm trying to emphasize to us the issue of pride. Pride is when you point fingers and say, it's not me, it's the society. I will have been rich, except that things don't work well where I am right now. If, things, if I was in a country where things were more stable, things would be better for me. If, I was, if my ministry was in Lagos, it would reach out more. If my ministry was in Port Harcourt, I will have more resources. I've heard ministers say it again and again. The reason why we don't have money is because we are not in Port Harcourt, we are not in Lagos, and we are not in Abuja. So what would they do? They would go and plant a branch in those places. All right? Or plant branches in those places. Why? So that money might come in. Like I say, if you are going to be a preacher, at least believe what you are preaching. At least believe it. What is all I mean by believe it? Why don't you just pray simply? God, send me help. It's simple. People don't prosper because of places. Places prosper because of people. If you believe that statement, you shouldn't be wondering that if our church was in Lagos. Some of this is pure covetousness. 
So if I'm somewhere where money is not plenty, I must never use it as an excuse for my problems. Otherwise, God will say I'm a proud man. Please, I hope you are following the point I'm making. These are very crucial points. Why am I saying all of these things? Because we enter into calamity sometimes. We have troubles in our lives. Alright? We often point fingers. And God says, I can't answer anybody who is pointing fingers. We are talking about how to pray. How to pray in the time of trouble. I'm blaming preachers a lot because we preach things that are wrong. One of the major things we preach that are, that are so inaccurate, alright, that, that is so inaccurate, is this issue of enemy. I hear it all the time. It's a tragedy that we often we look at problems and we say that it's caused by enemies. I say it all the time. The Bible says, when the ways of a man pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. David said like this in Psalm 23, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So I summarize it like this, that your enemies are only as strong as your relationship with your God is weak. As a believer, we are not allowed to look beyond that. God should be strong on your side. I was talking to a lady, we were talking, alright, I was counseling somewhere, and Jesus went somewhere, and she was trying to emphasize to me the power that evil people have had, she has seen, and I said, I don't believe it, that's occultism and all of that, occult, people in the occult, power to afflict even believers. I said to her simply, that they have a saying in Western Nigeria, they say that, if, that we should be worshipping death, not the gods, this was long ago. Why? Because where, death kills people. They say, where were the gods when death was killing? So why do we give death, uh, the, uh, the gods, all the sacrifices? We should be giving all these sacrifices to death. Maybe you leave us alone. I said to the person I was speaking with, I said, listen, if those gods are that powerful, we should convert to them and start serving them. It's common sense. If an Oboni man can kill me when he likes, believe me, I will join Oboni. Obviously, he's more powerful than my Jesus Christ. So why Jesus shouldn't threaten me with hellfire? He shouldn't. He can't even protect me against an Oboni man. That's the reality. If the gods, do you understand? That is the evil spirits that these people gather around in court were so powerful. Believe me, we should join them. There's no point pretending and coming to church. A lot of Muslims, at least where I grew up, that's what they do. They claim to go to the mosque. Believe me, they worship all kinds of spirits. And I think that is wisdom. If the God we are claiming you are serving, he doesn't know how to protect people. Find the one that can. If I was a Muslim, I would be in two or three cults. I will. Why? Because the religion does not promise anything. What I've told you eh, is, is common sense. You know why we don't do all of those things? I will tell you. It is simple. Because indeed, <laughs> the gods they worship, they are not gods. The power they claim to have does not exist. The power belongs to our God. That is the reason why we behave the way we behave. That is why even if you are killing us, 
we are aware of one fact. It is because he said, go ahead and do it. When they were going to kill Jesus, you know what the Lord Jesus said? Pilate looked at him and said, do you realize I have the power to release you or to condemn you? Jesus looked at him and said, do you realize where you got the power from? I'm summarizing everything that happened. Why was he not terrified by Pilate? He understood that if God hasn't given the commandment, you cannot condemn me. Therefore, he instructed his disciples, don't fear anybody that can hurt the flesh. Fear him that can kill. After killing, cast his soul into hellfire. He had his reason. Paul died. The tradition, the, what is believed was by beheading. But we know he died in Roman custody for sure. Yet before he died, he wrote to the Philippians. He said, I like King James English, very, very poetic and very spiritual. I'm in a strait between two. The emphasis here being that he said whether to depart and be with Christ or to stay behind and be of service to you. He said, if I, he said for me to live is Christ. Christ there means that working in the service of Christ and producing anointed results. He said, but to die is gain. He said, after I've checked it, I realize that I will be of service to you if I'm alive. For that reason, I choose to stay. That is, the Romans could not kill Paul until he said to Timothy, I have finished my course. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. Even though they held the weapons to kill, the ultimate power to, dis- to decide who dies or who lives resides with our God. Are you getting my point? Yes, sir. That is why no witch should lie to you that they killed a believer. They can't. Okay, they can't kill anybody. This is one part of this message that many people who preach faith, they don't balance well. When you say this, they are angry. They say, no, you are making God look like what he really is not. We think we are preaching in Pentecostal circles and faith circles. We think we are preaching faith when we say faith, God does not do this. God doesn't do that. It's the devil is the devil. God is not angry with you. He's always happy. It's the devil that's killing. It's the devil. Shh. You don't get it well. No. Like I say all the time, the devil and God are not words and opposite. They are not two equal, in, uh, that is opposing forces, but equal forces. It is not as if Michael Tyson is getting to the ring against Evander Holyfield. Two of them, heavyweight boxing champions. It's not like that. God sits on the throne. And the devil crawls around like one of the angels and one of the fallen ones. He has to pass in front of the Lord periodically. And God will say to him, you come. From where are you coming? He said, from moving to and fro the surface of the earth. Have you considered my servant Job? They are not mates. They are not mates. They are not mates. Do you know the funny thing? God has more respect for money than he has for the devil. Respect in quote. That when it comes to struggling with him for the heart of his children, he knows money has more power. 
That's why he never said you cannot serve God and the devil. He said you cannot serve God and mama. They're not mates. Who will entice Ahab that he might go to Ramos Gilead so that he might perish there? And the lying spirit came up and said, I will. He said, what are you going to do? I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And God had to say to that lying spirit, go, succeed. Without the word of God telling that fellow to succeed, he could not have succeeded. Let's get that clear. Not dealing with two people who have equal powers. And let's say, I'm wrestling. Sit down there. Let me sit down here. The devil doesn't go near at all. Sometimes when you see, he said that Satan said that uh, he's going to overthrow God. I will build the most high. He never said anything like that. He's not that mad. Even if you decrease, there are things that don't enter your mind. What the devil, the worst he could have said is, I will be like the most high. That is, everybody on the earth will look up to me. He never thought he could dethrone God in, on, from his throne. He can dethrone him in quotes from the hearts of men. And that is by talking to the people. I'm emphasizing something here, alright? So that we'll get the point. God is king. He is a ruler. What we often don't understand is the fact that he's not only a father, he's a judge. And a judge must always be just. A judge will always be just. God as judge is always just. So if accusations are brought up strongly in his presence against even his children, he doesn't have a choice but to rule against them. That is the point. If accusations are brought when he's sitting on his throne as judge of the earth, that's why you must understand the, the power of intercession. I said to us before, there are a number of things that control what happens on the earth. The plan of God, the behaviors of men, and what? The prayers. So when he sat on his throne, the cries in Sodom and Gomorrah rose up before him. And he came to a conclusion. I will destroy the place with fire. And on his way, a man came to intercede. Abraham. And Abraham said, Will the judge of the whole earth not do what is right? Will he destroy the righteous with the wicked? And you know, we look at it as Abraham knew how to pray, which is true. Abraham could pray. God gave him that understanding. But one thing we must never forget was God was saying to him in effect, if they were there, you think I would have come here? It was almost like a dare. Find ten righteous people and I won't destroy the place. And they walked through the place and there was not one that stirred himself up to take hold of God. They couldn't count up to ten of such people. God essentially looked at Abraham and said, you see what I'm saying? Say, what matters to you? Your brother Lot. No problem. I will give Lot to you as an inheritance. So God delivered Lot. If you look at it very well, only Lot was deliverable in the house. Yes? Read the story now. His wife wouldn't go. They tried to deliver her. See, the angels, go and read the story. They were the ones that 
look, look, they said, Lord, let's go, let's go. One of the angels said, listen, I can't do anything until you're out of here. And their own time was running out. So they dragged Lot by force. They would have dragged the woman, but the woman said, no. Her heart was in Sodom. Looking back, it's not just to take a glance. No. A small glance is not what worries the Lord. When they go and don't look back, it's not like, a, don't look at what's happening in the city. Looking in the scripture is a persistent thing. When a man's heart is still somewhere, that's what they call looking back. Her heart was there. What am I going to say? God is the judge of the whole earth. People say that God does not do evil. Please listen to me. He does. Evil in quotes now, you get my point. What is bad? It's just that, you see, we try to paint a picture of God. Nice guy. He's like a father. He never does anything wrong to his children. He just wants to love God. He's not angry with you. He's just loving you. <laughs> or more, better pray that he doesn't get angry with you. That's what I have to say. Just pray. That he limits his anger to your enemies. Otherwise, when you read through Israel, oh God, we must understand the character of God. We have to balance this thing. God is a good God, amen? He's very good. Very, very good. But can I assure you, as good as he is, he doesn't tolerate nonsense. In Israel, he gave them a commandment. If you have a son that will never listen to the father, listen to the mother, was a gluten, a ruffian, everything, he said the father will be the first to cast a stone against him when they bring him out to the center of the city to stone him to death. That was his commandment. Believe me. When his children don't listen, when they don't listen, he's long-suffering. He's slow to anger. Very slow. But no matter how slow he is, eventually he gets there. (laughs) Are you getting my point? I'm going to emphasize the fact that God is a very good God. But he loves righteousness more than any other thing. His throne is established in righteousness. He and the devil, they are not mates at all. You know what I'm saying about these things? When Christians are in trouble a lot of times, their emphasis is the devil, my enemies, the devil, my enemies. And very few times they look and say, where is God, my maker? The question we should ask a lot of times when we're in trouble is, dear God, without your decree, I can't get here. That, that's, you see, don't worry, many people who are preaching faith, they don't look at this other side. There are many causes of troubles in the lives of believers. The first one is what? Ignorance. And like I said, God is a judge. What do I mean by he's a judge? I was talking, uh, okay, it was in my office today. I was, we were analyzing a Supreme Court judgment that affected PDP in Anambra State. And I'll just explain something to somebody. I said, he said, okay, if he said if a governor was removed from office because the Supreme Court dec- declared that the election was irregular and he had been in office for like, say, a year or a year and a half before or two, you know, which happened in previous times in Nigeria. He said, what happens to all the actions he took? I said to the fellow, our judges, the way they behave, they, are, they have to be pragmatic. You understand? Yes. And I said, but the, the point I want to bring out is that assuming now, he gave Ngigi as an example, Chris Ngigi, when he was governor of Anambra State. One day his, his election was declared, you know, null and void, and then he, he was removed and um, Peter Obi replaced him. 
I said, if he signed, now listen to this. If you're a lawyer, you can correct me, okay? I said, if he signed any law, you know, from the House of Assembly, if he signed any bill into law while he was in office, so the argument was that, will he remain as law? Now, this was what I said to the fellow. If you're a lawyer, can correct me if I'm wrong. What he was trying to bring out is that technically, I mean, if his stay in office was null and void, <clears throat> any law he writes should be also null and void. Now, this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. I saw the fellow. I said, it may be true, but somebody has to challenge the law. I don't know whether you get that point. Ask the lawyer. So, Brunko won't say anything about the laws that he signed, the bills he signed into law while he was there. You have to get up one day and say, no. Maybe they come to your house and say, you have to pay this particular tenement rate. Why? Because last year it was signed to law in this state. You have to go and say, who signed it? Let me see the signature. It was the then governor. He said, sorry, his stay in office is null and void. If you say that as a normal citizen, then you have to go to court and say to the judge, please, this law is null and void. Then he will look at it and interpret and rule. That's what judges do. What am I going to say? If the devil is afflicting you, if you don't get up and present your own case, you can be under the affliction. You just be under the affliction. You have to take the word of God and say, uh-uh. you go to the judge of the whole earth. Did you not say that I, do, I will be blessed in the house and blessed on the field? Therefore, Lord, arise and judge things that are against me because they are contradicting your word. That's what we believers do. That is why the first reason why believers have problems is ignorance. The devil can actually come and take what belongs to them, but because they don't know it belongs to them. So I hear Christians argue. You know, even if you want to argue a stupid argument, you should argue the ones in your favor. I don't know whether I get the point I'm making. Sometimes in my house, my wife and I will play that kind of joke. Just at the table, you see her? See 2,000 there. So my wife says, is it yours? I said, since you don't know who it is, yes. <laughs> you don't know whose it is now? The answer is what? Yes. His mom, she will look at me and say, when did you keep it there? I said, it's irrelevant. If it was your own, you would know. Since you don't know, can I have the money? 